In Dick of the Week, we talk about dirty stuff and use dirty language. We rated M for mature. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Dick of the Week. Dick of the Week. Dick of the Week. Dick. 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 Dick of the Week. Dick. Dick of the Week. Dick of the Week. Dick of the week. Dick, 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 dick of the week. Give me that D, yo. Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome to this week's episode of Dick of the Week, the podcast where we talk about everything we love and sometimes hate about romance novels. I am Liz Zirkle. I am Stephanie. Kazows. <laughs> I don't know. That's what uh, I keep trying to get Sabrina to say Kazows, and it's just. She cannot. So it's very funny. She's going to have to learn her her, her, her name. name. Yeah, she is. Uh, we gave her the hardest last name. The hardest parts <laughs> of her name so we gave to her. So, great. Kazows! Yep. Uh, I feel like you need to have someone uh, designed for you guys. Like, um, a superhero. The, the, onom- the onomatopoeia thing. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want in the kids. Actually, that's actually what I want in the kids' playroom. Is Kazows, like, pow. Yeah, like, pow, zap, kazows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want. Uh, do you know Daily Disco? They do the embroidery. No, I don't think so. Okay, so on Instagram, there's this uh, company, Daily Disco, St. Louis, uh, located. I think she might be on down on Cherokee Street, or she was. Um, but she embroiders and like really beautiful things. Um, and like jean jackets is like what she started, and she even does like Ooh. she does like she does masks with like. Now she's doing masks to say vaccinated on them and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. She's really neat. But she does these denim jackets. And so when the girls are big enough, like once, because now like Sabrina is in, um, she's in like T- 2T. So, oh my God. So now she's like in, for a year, she'll probably be about, for about a year, she'll be in this size. So now that we're getting there, once Cleo gets there, I want to get the matching jean jackets with Kazows on the back embroidered. That was a oh, really man. long story just to say I want to get the matching jackets with Kazows on the back. But anyway. That's <laughs> and I love it. They're going to be very cute together. And Sabrina oh. loves her little sister. So Good. When Sabrina gets upset, she'll run over and hug Cleo. Like, it's going to calm her down. It's insane to watch. Like, it's... I don't know that I've ever seen... Uh, like a two-year-old react this way to a new baby but like whatever we did we crushed it y'all <laughs> like <laughs> well i miss my weekly or bi-weekly sabrina hangouts I and know. i'm angry i haven't met cleo yet so we'll get one there day soon one day soon yeah, okay, so I just derailed everything by being just a total weirdo with how I said my name. So that's, what? we're we're already on this podcast, going, we're doing well. Doing- standard, it's standard us. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'm like confused because I'm sitting in my bed on a, like a, a bed desk thing, and I'm like, I keep moving my legs. <laughs> you, you need to show me this desk at some point. I will, it's very ridiculous. I look, I look very silly. I'm going to take a little picture. Of my, um, with my workspace. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, for all of you, uh, got a new, it's a bed desk. So she gets to lounge in bed. <laughs> and it's like, it's pretty much like a breakfast in bed kind of tray, but made specifically for laptops. It's. I'm very excited about this. It's going <laughs> to, it's upgrading my whole life, basically. I have successfully every day this year touched a work in progress in some way. Fuck yes. 
Uh, yeah, it's kind of insane. I didn't, I did not expect to make it this long. And I mean, this is like on days with migraines, I've still done something. But coming this coming April, starting April first, I will be writing three thousand words a day. I'm speaking that shit. I'm manifesting it, as the kids say these days. Everyone talks about manifesting things mm. um, on the Twitter, so I'm manifesting it. I will do it. I feel like I need to make some sort of declaration like that. I don't know if I can do every single day, because uh, like Sundays are so busy with podcasting and then in-law dinner shit. Sure. But I feel like I'd be like that amount, like five days a week. I don't yeah. know. November, uh, April is Nanaremo's um, camp camp Nanaremo month. So you can like pick whatever your goal wants to be. So if you wanted to utilize a website to keep track of shit, you can do that. Yep. But but they've been pushing, which I think is fun, is uh like finish your working project. Uh so like people that did November and haven't really touched their book since then. <laughs> same here. <laughs> um to be fair, I've been working on many other projects, just not that one. Yeah, but, you're busy. But um, it's one of those things that they're like, oh, this month, like, focus on finishing this thing. And I was, and I was like, oh, that's cool that they're advertising it that way um, instead of being like, you have to start something new. Like, hey. Yeah. Finish. <laughs> yeah. Don't start. Yeah. That's that's huge. Summer 2018, after Spring was born, I finished my second book. Like, I wrote, like, 30,000 words in a week because the waddies were happening. Mm, like, I yeah. had no... I had, like, no delusions that I'd win them, but it was, like, a nice thing to have, like, a catalyst for a deadline. For sure. Uh, um, so, I finished, that's when I finished Sasha, and then I haven't touched it until January 1st of this year. Well, no, that's not true. I guess in November of that, I, no, I tried to polish it up pre, yeah, so I guess that was 2019, November, pre-quarantine. Uh, pit Wars. Were yeah, you for, the word pit-, pit Wars, yeah. The, the mentor thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pitch, pitch Wars, yeah. So I tried doing that. So I cleaned it up the first time for that and changed characters. And now I'm going through and changing them again. <laughs> I'm like changing them back to what I imagined the first time. Because I've made like Pinterest boards. My like my game is tight on Sasha this time. Like I'm making Good. Pinterest boards. I'm on chapter like 11 or 12 of editing on that. Um, but I got burnt out. So I'm going to go work on a different project and then come back in May, hopefully. Well, in my book, Rewrite, I got to the point where I worked through all the things and now I'm in a section where I have to completely write new stuff because of my revision of what the book is going to be mm-hmm. includes me having to write a lot of new stuff and I'm like paralyzed. That's fair. <laughs> That's how I feel about dra- the drafting slash just outlining book two of Sasha. I'm just like, but how do I get there? Like I know... <laughs> I know what the first chapter is going to be, and I know what the last chapter is going to be, and I'm just like, but and I've never had this problem. I've never sat there and been like, but how do we get there? Ever? I can I can plot anything, and this first that's why I'm walking away is because like I should not be this mm. baffled. But I feel for you. That's rough. Yeah, you know how that part where I used to go. Yeah, well, and I think that's the hard thing is being like, also no, there's all these scenes that I had written before that I love so much and trying to figure out, can I still utilize those? Mm-hmm. Or am I just going to like have to ditch them, maybe save them for like newsletter bonus material or some bullshit like Ugh, that? Ugh, newsletters. Right. 
I'm gonna cry. Yes. Why do we? Why do we want to? Okay, the week, the the episode. Uh, why do we want to do this again? Yeah. <sighs> anyway, Anywho. have you read anything good? So I am new. So this is old, but I'm new to it. Jillian Shoop. I have been reading the Uptown Girls series. I finished the first one, The Rogue of Fifth Avenue, and I'm currently reading The Prince of Broadway. It's about three sisters, and each of them are uh, bucking tradition in a different way. And the first book was just so delightful, and it was funny because the power dynamics in the first book are very similar to a book, the book I'm about to write in April, um, that is not Sasha related. It is a whole new new adult college series that I'm going to write because it sounds fun, and I need some fun in my life. But I'm very pa- excited for it. I am so excited for you to read it. Uh, but the the relationship dynamics were very similar in this, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I finished all of the Talia Hibbert books. Love them. Love them. Just, that's it. That's the that's the tweet. Uh, I read Perfect on Paper by... Uh, oh, oh, shit. I have the Rogue of Fifth Avenue downloaded on my... Girl, read it. You will love it. Honestly, though, I think you're going to love the second one more. Because okay. I'm only, like, I'm only a chapter in, and I'm like, oh, shit. Because, like, the the second sister in the series wants to open her own casino. Oh, and this takes place in New York. Uh-huh. I haven't read very much America. Oh, girl. Historical. It's so fun. It's so fun. Teddy Roosevelt gets mentioned. It's really fun. But Perfect on Paper by Sophie Gonzalez is a, uh, it's a, a YA book. They basically say it's like Lee and the Offbeat meets To All the Boys I Loved Before. A bisexual girl who gives anonymous love advice to her classmates is hired to by the hot guy to help him get his ex back. Her advice is spot on, her love life way off. So basically, she is, I'm going to talk about this one, because the rest of them are great, but this book I, made me cry and made me like just like so excited about the world. Have you have you read Leah on the Offbeat? I don't, I'm not familiar with that. I have not read it. It also sounds like a less sexual version of sex education. I don't know if you ever saw that. I it's it's a really fun show on Netflix. That's it's what like, everyone's told me. So it's like on my to watch. But that's yeah, you really should. I think because uh, Lean the Offbeat is this the second book after oh what's the name of it? I can't remember. I don't know. There's like a big there's a big kerfluffle about the author who wrote it. Oh, I initially didn't write. I initially well not like not bad for her. It's like bad for the romance landia. She essentially wrote the books. The first book is about a teenage, a gay teen. And the second book is oh, about... Oh, 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 did she do the, um... She came out, well, she was kind of forced out because people were saying, why are you writing she did the queer books? Yes, 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 yes. She did Simon versus the Homo Sapiens. Yes, that, so that's the first book before this. So it's the same, it's the same series that has Lee in the offbeat. Yeah, Lee's in the first book. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so people are like, why are you writing these queer stories? And eventually she came out as bi... But she didn't know she was by when she started writing this books. It was like a whole thing. I initially did not read Leon Offbeat because, and I mean, this is part of my own choices. When it comes to queer stories, I do not want to read queer stories written by non-queer people. I don't enjoy them typically. They're somehow, somehow they make queer stories straight. I don't know how that happens, but that's what it feels like. I'm just reading like a straight, uh, you could, there's no reason why the, I don't know. It's just, I can't explain it because I've read I've read queer writers writing straight couples that are queer. I don't know how you explain that either, but like I tend to not want to read 
I think that makes sense. Like the same way that like us as two white women can never properly really write the experience of a black woman. Exactly. Yes. Like, you know, like one of my characters, she is bi, but she's dating a male in that story. So like, I feel like I can handle that well enough. And especially, I mean, I'm, I have so many by friends and like, yeah, no, we'll, like, we'll check you. We yeah, will, we will check you if anything. But like, weird. but I can't. I can't imagine ever wanting, like, not even wanting, but ever feeling like I could properly write a lesbian love story or even a gay love, like a man and man love story, because uh, that's not at all my experience or my life. And like, I know a lot of people write that stuff and that's 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 the thing is like that this is this is the so right right now we're in the part of the conversation that that always turns into the the like no one's telling other people that are not these democrats they can't write it and that's the thing that kills me it's like no one's saying you can't write it me as a reader own voices helps me find the authors that are going to tell a story that i will be able to relate to more hopefully well except that publishers more and more now literally will like if you're writing a story that is something that someone who is that should be writing it like and you submit to them like they will not pay attention to you so like author like publishers are more and more like if it's not actually own voices they're not interested in it that's what they say but if you still look at if you still look at who's publishing the stories it's not uh, own voices people are not the the marginalized groups are not uh, writing all like trans writers are not writing all the trans stories Right. I think part of it is also like this is like within the last year or so is a new thing, which means those books aren't going to be published for another year plus. So, sure. you know, agents that are only interested in looking at these things now, those books we won't see for another year or two in the market. And honestly, I don't think I have a problem with that. No, I don't either. And also, if publishers, this will be the first time in their lives that they're actually worried about representation, then fine. If some people have to take the vaccine. If me as a cis white pansexual woman cannot get my books published pu- traditionally that's fine boom yeah. saying it i don't i just it, to me it, the arguments that are happening right now are so wild but then the problem is they're <laughs> the own voices is being used against marginal voices yeah. that's when it's a problem for me that's when the line gets crossed there's just a lot there's a lot in the owns voices that it initially was just started to help help uh, amplify marginalized voices and also yeah. help readers connect with writers who would be telling stories that would feel right to them. Um, yeah. But th- to say all this, Lee and the Offbeat, the reason why I didn't initially read it was because the woman was not, she didn't self-identify as queer. So I was like, mm, I can miss this teenage story where it's probably, as someone who came out in her 20s for being panned by whatever it was because of a very traumatic uh teenage years and like also being kind of like not sure that even being that was acceptable or real so i'm always afraid of teen stories being traumatic so for me i try to stay away which is why perfect on paper like made me cry and was made me so happy because there's a uh like a queer alliance in the book and the main character is really struggling with the fact that she's bi and that she feels like people are going to think she's queer enough. And it's just, like, so lovely. Um, I don't know. It just was great. Because that's the kind of 
trauma struggle I want to read versus like, it doesn't have to always be like the worst thing in the world. But um, because this woman wasn't self-identifying, I was just like, eh. And now she does self-identify. So I might give it a crack. Uh, but that was like a whole goddamn thing. She's like, you forced me out of the closet. And I guess, I mean, but the thing is she also had like a super large book or super large movie deal off of her books without having come out. So there's like, when money gets involved, there's like, it's not fair for her to be pushed out. It wasn't fair that she had to come out to justify what she was doing. There's also the element of how much money was being pumped into someone who was not self-identifying as queer. So there's like, yeah. so there's like, that's why this is so complicated. And I don't think we can throw own voices out. Like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think that's no. not the answer. I think really drilling down and thinking about how gatekeeping happens, even within our like progressive parts of this thing we want to do. Yeah. would be helpful because I just I don't know every like I said every week it's a new fucking trauma where like people aren't buying people aren't queer enough people aren't this enough people aren't that enough or like people pretending to be things and that's what really white it's white people honestly let's be honest there's white writers this is why we can't have nice things white writers pretending to be minorities <laughs> like that's fucking sick that's what it is that's like there what, was big drama about that like what last week or so about someone i can't remember any of the names I feel but like someone I feel like once a month there's a new white well, a new writer that we're like oh wait they're actually white and we're like well okay great cool and like that's let's be honest that's the i feel like that's where the We'll see you're not who you say you are is coming from. It's like legit white people not staying in their fucking lane. I say that yeah. so much on this podcast. I so, I'm always like, white people stay in your lane. You know, I think we're in a key situation. I think we should probably get to the second half of the show. Because it, I, this documentary made me have a lot of weird icky feelings. So I feel like... We- yeah, that's, that's, that is a good transition. Um, I... I'll just say one of the books I read recently was Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne. It was very great. It actually took me, I feel like it took me a little bit to kind of get into. And that might very well have been because I was lis- I was doing a mix of listening to it and reading it. Weird. Do you do that a lot? It really depends on the book. Um huh. This is a book I own a physical copy of it. And so I was listening to it while I was doing like chores and things. Cause I almost always have an audiobook that I'm listening to for like doing chores. Like late at night, I'll have my earbuds in and listen to a book while I'm doing like dishes and shit while Jeremy's asleep or whatever. Or like when I'm showering, I have an audiobook playing. And I owned the hard copy of this and then got it from the library to listen to and just kind of went back and forth. And I think maybe that was not the best choice for this particular book, but it was really great. And it's about uh, a a lady. She is um, a a hand lettering person. Like, so she like designs like cards and, you know, paper products where she hand letters, beautiful things. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had uh, designed all the wedding invitations and the program, the program for the wedding. She designed that, too. And she has this bad habit of when she sometimes when she's stressed or whatever, she accidentally hides like hidden messages in there. And she wrote like no one else would notice it, but she wrote mistake on this program and the couple ends up breaking up 
before the wedding and oh, a year no. later he shows up at the shop and it was like what the fuck did this mean and why did you like why did you do this oh, and so no. <laughs> oh no <laughs> but the two of them end up becoming really good friends and it's really great and it's beautiful like it talks a lot about like architecture in new york city and just like design and it's very visual and i om- and that's part of the reason why i think me listening to it wasn't the best um i think me i think if i had been reading it the whole entire time because they talk about such visual things i would have been better okay i feel like when i'm listening to things i'm kind of like all over the place yeah yeah doing other things or whatever is when i'm reading i'm focused on those words but it was great and i'm excited to read more by kate claiborne which i know she's a pretty popular author but yeah, let's take a quick commercial break and yeah. we will be back to talk about our actual topic. <laughs> not, uh, not at all heavy. Great. Who wouldn't want the hunky hero and the fantastic leading lady to be brought to life? With Love and Lust, a smutcast, indulge in a radio drama filled to the brim with romance, laughs, and all those wonderfully awkward moments that come with a new relationship. And don't forget those delicious sexy parts that make romance novels oh so fun to enjoy. Season one of Love and Lust is available now at CalamityCast.com or anywhere that you can find podcasts. And we are back! (laughs) (laughs) And we're a giggly, giggly mess. Stephanie, Stephanie got hiccups during the break. It was rough, everyone. It was touch and go there for a second. <laughs> oh, I may be crying. It's fine. We're, we're we're doing okay. We are functioning and surviving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's holding her breath again. It seems like <laughs> I just made her spit her water. <laughs> we're doing. Fine. <laughs> Don't worry about us. All right, the hiccups are good. We're good. Okay, We're good. okay, okay. All right. So, so, y'all, the topic we are talking about today is the 2020 documentary called Naughty Books. We love it. Which do- somehow I we- hadn't ever heard about until like two me- weeks ago. Me neither. Um, which is really weird because I love documentaries. Same. And I love documentaries about my hobbies. <laughs> also same. So I was very, like, when you were like, hey, have you heard of this? I actually just saw a tweet about it when you, or, yeah, you told me about it. I had just seen a tweet about it. Or did I tell you about it? I told you about it because Tegan Hunter posted about it. Yeah, I saw a tweet about it in Romance Landia uh, about it. And then I think, like, within an hour of seeing that tweet, you were like, hey, this documentary, like, I don't know anything about it, but. That's two times in one hour. It must have been newly on to Hulu then. Had to have been, but whatever. We found it and we, we watched it. We found it. Yeah. Naughty Books. It's on Hulu. Watch it. It's a little sad. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's not. Um, I feel like uh, in between the sheets or love between the cover. Or what The other one. <laughs> what's it called? I'm like just making it dirtier than it had to be. I think it was love become. I think it was love between the covers. Yeah, uh, that one super upbeat, very hopeful. This one, uh, fine, not upbeat and hopeful. I don't feel like, uh, but I think very realistic, and I think something that we should, we should all watch probably. Very realistic, which was excellent. Um, 
let me just read from the website the about all right little blurb sounds good in 2011 a british television producer published the erotic novel 50 shades of gray it became a phenomenon selling a hundred million copies and taking the erotica mainstream however women aren't only reading erotica in large numbers they're also writing it Thanks to Amazon's Kindle store, which allowed writers to upload directly to the marketplace, women were able to publish books independently, bypassing traditional gatekeepers, agents, editors, etc. Readers were hungry for books like Fifty Shades, but traditional publishers were slow to respond. Self-published authors filled the void, flooding the market with $1.99 books about innocent women and bad boy billionaires falling in love and having steamy sex. Readers devoured them. The authors became a force challenging conventional feminist ideas and upending the publishing industry. Naughty Books follows three writers, Kelly Maine, Kristen Proby, and C.J. Roberts, as they navigate what unexpected what unexpected success means for their lives, both professionally and personally. On the surface, this movie is about self-published romance novels, but at its core, it's about women challenging the status quo and stepping forward to tell the world they aren't ashamed of their sexuality. In a world where hashtag MeToo dominates the headlines and predatory behavior is pervasive, Naughty Book celebrates women reclaiming their sexuality on their own terms yeah which is a pretty great little blurb it actually really encompasses what 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 goes down in this documentary the funny thing on the website it says kirsten and i was like oh i guess i misheard it i guess it's actually kirsten and not kristen but then you click the link to go to all of her websites and whatnot. But no, her name is Kristen. They have her name wrong oh, on the documentary. No. <laughs> That's the kind of shit that I feel like will would and will happen to me in my life. And it seems like of the three authors, she's probably the most prevalent of them. Yeah, she's like the most prolific currently, it yeah. seems like. Although, do you know what's funny? In that, um, that BDSM chat thing tutorial oh yeah i forgot you did that yeah uh she actually mentioned cj roberts which i thought was very funny because i would have never known cj roberts until this documentary so that was fun uh, did you learn anything uh useful in that no apparently i already know a lot about bdsm which i didn't really know about myself until then but i think i have enough friends in the scene and i've read enough books and i have enough friends in the scene <laughs> that's really what it is i've got one friend specifically who goes to clubs and dungeons so, oh. um, and she talks about it like all the time. So like all the things that they were saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, there's a point where I was like, I wish I hadn't gone on video because I probably could have just slipped out, but it would have been rude otherwise. But it was nice to see everyone's faces because I hadn't been to one of those meetings in a really long time. Is it was, it was put on by the WRA or RWA, sorry, geez Louise, RWA. Um, and I'm still like trying to decide if I'm going to rejoin and everything. I don't know. I haven't done enough research to see where the state of affairs are, but that's neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, CJ Roberts, it was funny that she mentioned it because I feel like all, I feel like that happens. You know, like when you like encounter an author, uh, as yeah. soon as you do that, you just hear them everywhere. You see them everywhere. Like Lucy Score. Yeah, Lucy Score. And then uh, Catherine Nolan, for that matter. Uh, once I read, once I had read Not the Marrying Kind, 
I swear to God, she popped up everywhere. So I was like, yeah, I guess I'll join your readers group because at least it's more direct, you know? You're yeah. not just, the universe isn't just throwing her at me, which means a light. I love her. But yeah, it's funny when that happens. But yeah. This is an interesting documentary because it focuses on these three ladies. So Kelly Main, Kristen Proby, and CJ Roberts as they're um, kind of navigating this whole indie author thing with various Pre- degrees. Yeah, and they and they, they follow it like they're like pre Amazon KU like bust. I it's almost like a bubble bust. Yeah. It's kinda like it's kinda like when the uh the housing market crashed. It's kind of <laughs> it's kinda of how they described indie romance and how this shift in the um industry happened after that. Now what I couldn't tell is how long they'd been following them or if they just were like having them like recall things. Yeah, I couldn't tell it either. And I also couldn't they didn't tell us how many books each person had going into it. Like Kelly Maine, it didn't sound like she had that many books. So for me, it was like, well, that makes sense why after the KU happened, you saw a, you know, you Massive fell off. decline. Yeah, it makes sense because you don't have that many books. Because we all, every single book you'll read about, you know, rapid release and everything is that you want to have a huge backlog. Whereas at least now Christian has like, 50 books out oh so many she's traditionally published she yeah i think she still does a bit of mix i think she's a hybrid still and she actually and she actually has her own little uh publishing company now where a couple of her books that were really popular the same way that other ladies have done um have like opened up that universe to other authors that's fun so like she has this little thing where people can submit ideas and like write under their own names, but like be within like kind of her umbrella. I feel like that to me is the perfect solution to these white writers that want to write the side characters or the secondary characters that are not white or not of their marginalization mm, or not. Yeah. Like to hit me, up, hit up some well that's exactly what jk rowling should have fucking done when she like was creating these other universes and it's like all of africa has a school like Mm -hmm. okay well you could have done that better and actually had some like people of color written like create that for you yeah (laughs) no but i mean like that's like what i'm noticing is like also i mean you know me i'm a big like co-op i love community building and everything so for me it's like yeah, wouldn't it be cool if you had one of your writer friends take a character that you love and, like, do it right? <laughs> like, but, anywho's, uh, I was really interested in her specific, her specific thread, because, like, she was doing all of the things that, like, indie authors are told to do. Uh, mass, like, rapid releases, uh, uh, doing the series train kind of idea, all of that. And then she went back, she went and did some traditional publishing, and the look on her face, like for personal reasons, but then also it seemed like for professional reasons when she did her traditional published book, she didn't seem that happy. No, she did not. She did not like, it seemed like she did not like the lack of control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it also, it, it was really, it was just interesting to watch because I felt like she also said like in general, she's not very excited on release days. Like that's not really usually her jam because of her own personal experiences with, which I think is a very another part of the the documentary that they'll hit on is how uh, the partners in their lives support or don't support them, uh, which was her problem. One of her issues was that like her ex husband had been not so very supportive of 
her career. Which was that was so... oh my god. So in this documentary, both Christian and CJ, you see some not great male counterpoints, like parts to their life where mm-hmm. like divorces happen or separations happen apparently according to cj's information she's with the father still of Mm -hmm. her children so i guess hopefully they work their shit out and they're happy i don't know but the way the documentary makes him look is not good it's not a nice painting of him for sure Kristen did actually separate from her husband and is now married to a completely different guy and seems very very happy yes uh but that was like an interesting i thought that was one like the the so for me um there's been a bunch of articles coming out about millennial women being concerned about making more than their partners or boyfriends whatever and i'm like that's hilarious but these they, these women had that problem. They were yes. they were making so much money. I don't remember which of the authors was talking about that with her partner. I don't think it was one of the three. No, it was it was. Um, I had that written down somewhere, and I always don't have my notebook with me because I'm an idiot. They showed a couple side like side people that they talked to, but yeah, she was talking about how initially it was a little bit of an issue, and her husband looked kind of the entire time that she was talking. Her husband looked like she he kept trying to like not laugh, and he was bugging me. But then she's like, and then I took him on a trip to like a resort in Mexico and he was like well this is or Hawaii I think they went to Hawaii mm-hmm. and he was like I mean this is weird but also this is kind of nice and I think he kind of got over it and like <laughs> yeah well because there you know one of my one of my sticking points because part of being an indie author is you you do get to create what you want to create without um editorial comment like that was one of the things that uh Kristen was talking about how in her Marlin- book Larlin Page. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Kristen was talking about how her 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 hero. They told her no, that they didn't like him, and she needed to change it. But she's like, "Uh, no, this is my hero." Mm-hmm. Um, but like, they all kind of agreed that, like, I felt like the documentary boiled romance novels specifically of the higher steam because that's kind of what they're focusing on more in this documentary was like the senior books. Yes. Um, and they boiled it down to like this. Uh that whole idea of, like prehistoric women want to be dominated and all that stuff and like one of the i think it was uh laurelyn was it laurelyn i'm sorry laurelyn page yeah she was talking about how um hopefully she tries to write alpha women too along with an alpha male so hopefully one day we can just have alpha women and like i kind of took pause at that because i feel like a lot of the books i read are subversive to that now like I feel like maybe it's in the queer space more, but like there's lots of alpha women that I read. Um, I mean, you still have the alpha male. I feel like a lot, or the cinnamon roll yeah. dudes. Yeah. Uh, like, but that has the alpha ness to them as well. But like, I don't know. It was really weird. It felt like I was. It felt like. It felt like uh, indie authors talking about romance, how the traditional publishers talk about romance that's how it felt at parts of the documentary like there are definitely parts where they're definitely being subversive like cj roberts there's nothing trad pub about what she does i feel like yeah that's some hardcore stuff um i mean she has been traditionally published but like i think at this point i think i looked it up and she had been but it just like the her her brand of romance is definitely uh 
of erotica is definitely oh yeah she i mean it sounded like i mean all of them were doing more like high heat erotica erotic 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 romance but she seems like she's almost more on the erotica side of it all yeah like she was talking about like she writes like cj roberts writes like super dark Mm -hmm. like she was saying yeah like borderline consent kind of stuff like very dark deep sexual stuff that she was saying that like people like because initially the whole craze of 50 shades of gray when she's like oh like did you find christian gray to be scandalous and if someone said yeah she's like no please don't read my books because you cannot handle it because she's like i go way beyond that (laughs) yeah that's like and so it was really interesting because and then there was uh kelly maine who seemed to hate romance and i don't know why she was writing it uh Right? Kelly Maines was the one that was, she had written that. The- yeah. Oh, no. Kelly Maine seemed like she was completely and utterly against it from the get go. And, and trying by to the write end for, of it. It sounded like she was like trying to write for a market. Yes. And it's, I mean, because she was saying that because Kelly Maine is her pen name, and mm-hmm. I don't remember what her real name is, but it doesn't matter. She but writes under YA her, under the other one. Yeah. So she was writing YA, and with her contract that she was being traditionally published under traditionally published under she could not write under her that name for six months until after the like six months after publishing date yeah but that book kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and she was like and then she was seeing the popularity of all these high sexy level romance books and she even says because i started rewatching it a little bit because i watched a documentary a couple weeks ago and i was like oh i need to freshen up some of this i was watching it today while also reading um and she was talking about how she's like i'm not really a romantic i'm a realist i don't want flowers or cards or this or that like it's like she seems so anti all of it she straight up says she doesn't read romance she'd never written romance before this like she was literally doing this to make money yeah, she like said that she wanted to jump on the craze. And to me that's gross. Like like do what you got to do to make money, but like I don't know. Like if I feel like this is already a genre that gets shit left and right. Like we don't need writers. I think for me it wasn't even like I'm not even like mad at her for it. What I am annoyed by is almost like the uh the petulant like I'm too cool for this attitude. Yeah! But you made money off of it. So, like, maybe don't bite the hand that feeds. Exactly! Like, I don't even... It doesn't even, like... It doesn't hurt my feelings or anything if people think that. Like, I don't have a big... I don't have a big uh, issue with people hating on romance. Because for me, it's, like, the facts are against you. And, like, <laughs> I don't... So, it's for, I don't have a dog in that fight, I think. But the way she talked about it to me felt like a kid that was, like, I'm too cool for pop music is like what it felt like. And I'm like, homie, that's where you made money. So maybe that she even said that those books, her two books that she wrote or whatever bought her house. Right. It fucking changed her life. So it's kind of, for me, I'm like, you can like, you can say it's not your favorite genre. That's fine. But you wrote romance. um, And benefited from it. And it's like, for that, just like maybe I'm not going to say you have to respect it, but it just seems it, 
I guess for me, I just felt weird about her. It wasn't even like I had a judgment about it. I just felt weird about it. And I was like, I don't understand you as a person. Like, why are you even on this documentary? Like, you obviously hate all of this. All right. She is fascinating, though, because by the end of it, and, and, and to be fair, because they all talk about being indie authors, how the need to constantly release books, um, and they all suffer for a little bit during the documentary having like writer's block and oh. like not being able to produce the content as quickly as they ought to. And for someone like Kristen, that wasn't really a problem. Like she mm-hmm. still had a very successful release when she did release things. Mm-hmm. But Kelly was like talking about how, because the, um, the genre is so saturated now, like when she did release no one really paid attention to her and honestly part of me kind of wonders if readers could just kind of tell with her writing like if you're not into something or don't know the genre very well like it's not gonna be great well there's that and then there's also i mean like how engaged was she with her community because now yeah. if you're an indie author now you have to be pretty engaged there's very few they can just kind of like sit back and like rest oh, on their God. laurels it's I don't think any like can a probably job on top of writing. Yeah, and so, but I also she had not like totally to like write off what she did, but like she also had working against her a clear. She was raised with a romance being like viewed as trash. Like her yeah. mom, the way her mom said it, she goes, "Her mom was like, <gasps> I read historical romance," and like you could just see her deflate. And she took her grandma to go see her book in the store, which I thought was like really cool. But like both her mom and her grandma were like, hmm. And it was like so, like it was so demoralizing. Sad. So, like, part of me is like, how much of her, her saying all of that is true, and how much of that is just like, well, she did the romance thing, she was successful at it, and then her mom shit on it, you know. But like, I'm sorry, like historical romance is wonderful. We all know I love it, and yes, it takes more research than your average rom com, I guess, but. If she literally reads romance, how can she be like, well, my daughter is doing this thing. Well, she read what? clean romance, I think is what it was. I think she had said she read clean. Wasn't it like historical clean? I don't remember that. I detail. might be, I, I might I be remember mixing her up. I remember <laughs> specifically saying historical. And maybe the historical she read back then was like back in the day was more clean all the historical i read is not clean i just read some really filthy shit today so yeah (laughs) joanna shoop doesn't play y'all doesn't play oh my lord (sighs) yeah i don't yeah but the, the 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 release schedule seemed to really weigh on her and then she was like trying to write for a market i don't even know who she was writing for it sounded horrific what she was writing kidnapping and like a guy that was training women to be sex workers but i think they were more like trafficked women and like i don't know it's not it was so bad amazon said no thank you and told her she couldn't publish it yeah i don't know i i don't know what she was doing it was really hard to watch her specifically and then cj roberts was hard because it was like she had all of these ideas but it's, it was clear she didn't have time to do them. Well, because her story made me really sad because it seemed like she did have quite a following and mm-hmm. she was good at what she did. But she was like, oh, yeah, it's been X amount of time 
since I wrote a full, no- a full novel, like I've done some novellas and this and that, which I mean, I know a lot of people make careers off of just writing novellas, but a lot of writers, myself included, like the full length stuff a lot better. And it seemed like she was had been really hardcore struggling with writing because she was also balancing her two daughters and her husband, who the most documentary, like we said, didn't seem very helpful (laughs) so she was like doing all this housework and also trying to write and doing just like family stuff and I don't know it seems like I mean it seems like she is pretty successful I don't know the the interesting thing about the documentary is um they give excerpts from all three authors and I'm not gonna lie none none of them really spoke to me I the one weird thing I don't know if I was wrong here but was half of the Kelly Maines was half of it in second person it was like second person and then first person because she she goes you had dark eyes your dark eyes like as if she was talking to the the hero about the first time she saw him but then she goes and then Stacy grabbed my hand and told me she was leaving or something. I don't remember. It was like, I looked at Jordan like, is this in second person? And he's like, yeah, this is kind of, because Jordan watched it with me, of course. Uh, or he watched bits and parts. He was like playing piano while I was watching. So uh-huh. he like was in and out. But like, yeah, during that one, he's like, what? So that one was weird to me. Cause just sort of like that. Cause I'm like, I don't, I think the only time I've ever read second, second person in a book, it was like a sci-fi book. Um, or a fantasy yep. book. Second book is not my jam. And then, uh, and then C.J. Roberts' book was just like, oh, this is, this is not consensual. And then it was consensual, but it, it didn't start that way. So it was like, uh. and then the other one was just your classic contemporary. I felt like, yeah, and 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 I'm sure Kristen. I'm sure Kristen has a lot of great stuff. Maybe that just wasn't like. Maybe it also was a narrator. Like I, I definitely am very much. Affected I feel like the, by the images. Narrator. I feel like the images might have also been trippy. It looked. It looked like a screensaver to me. I don't know why. I got like screensaver vibes. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, because when when they were just uh, reading the excerpts from the book, it was like an animation. They had an animator who did stuff, and it was like this very fluid kind of sexual but because it was illustrated and fluid it wasn't like overly sexual kind of stuff happening and it was kind of like <laughs> like a line kind of screensaver yeah. sort of feel. I don't know and I was also like in a weird mood when I watched it so I wasn't like a hyper it also like so we're hearing like all these very realistic like the industry's hard I went from making like I went from being like you know I'm like a millionaire from this and like talking about the all of that I went from making like seven figures to whatever and then these excerpts and I'm just like I don't I feel like having the excerpts in between them telling their stories was jarring for me from like mm-hmm. the, the documentary standpoint just because like I felt very unsexy watching the documentary and then to throw these like sex scenes in there was a weird choice for me but mm-hmm. I guess it's also not for it's not necessarily for romance readers I would think it would be. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I'm just like, I'm trying to like figure out, figure it out. I don't know. Because the excerpts didn't make, they happened and then they happened like after we learned a little bit about the author. Yeah. 
And I feel like I'm going to say I knew too much about the author now to hear the excerpt. I don't know. But it was, I mean, I feel like what, what great exposure for like three very different, three very different authors too. Like C.J. Well, Roberts think... and Probe, uh, Kristen, is it, I'm sorry, Probe, I kept Pro- missing. Proby, Probe, P-R-O-B-Y. I think it's Proby. I kept messing it up and calling her Proby. So I wanted to check. I think it's Proby. Uh, they could not be more different. No. Well, and then Kelly Maine, by the end of it, like, she pretty much was like, Never I mind. don't think I'm going to do this anymore. Yeah. And I'm very curious because I try to look her up and, and the website links to all their websites, but hers just links to her Goodreads, which just shows the books that she had written under that name. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious if her YA stuff ever kind of took off. Yeah. Well, didn't she? She was writing YA, but then wasn't by the end she writing a thriller? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She seemed very confused. <laughs> she 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 felt like me, but instead of just like not being able to pick a subgenre, she just couldn't pick a genre. Fair. Christian was really fun to watch because we got to see uh like a release party like she went to a restaurant like they had like a back room kind of thing and people were there and everyone was so fucking excited and that's like that is what i fucking want y'all like yeah. i want to like be able to do shit like that where readers are so excited to like come hang out and j- party with me and like have drinks and like that sounds so fun and cool um and she had her struggles and there was actually a time because it was i think like while they were filming this documentary was when she was going through her starting to go through her divorce with her husband which is another reason why i really want to know how long this time span was yeah for sure Um, because they were talking about something about him and she was trying to respond and started crying it was like a you know like a one-on-one kind of interview and she's like and she tried again and she like kept trying to compose herself and she couldn't and it was fucking heartbreaking and finally she's like i'm sorry we need to take five and she just like got up and left and yeah just like, oh! and like we the two of us have literally the most supportive husbands in the yeah. universe i can't even imagine i can't even imagine feeling that way my husband literally we were talking about the future because you know sabrina turned two and cleo is only four months um and like when i will go back to work mm-hmm. and like we were discussing that and you know it's very much we talk about like if i'm if i dedicate myself and i start really pursuing this that like he's like well what, we'll make we'll figure out what we can do and like he doesn't i'm i am set up per, like it's yeah, I don't know. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine having someone like he, they were like slut shaming them. Like yes, like, like that was like she was being slut shamed for writing romance, which is like so insane. Because honestly, most contemporary romance is so vanilla. It's ridiculous. Like okay, actually, let's talk about that because there was um a few conversations within this documentary where they were like romance novels are just porn, and various women who were writing it or reading it kind of had that. And other ones like Christian specifically said, no, this is not porn. And then someone else said, um, it's not porn, but it is porn. Yeah. She literally is like, it's not porn. Like that. That's like saying, like looking at like, you know, a, a very like, I don't remember how she worded it, but like looking at a naked photo of someone that is very art, 
arty, artsily done. Uh, like that's like comparing that to porn. And then she paused. She's like, "Well, I mean, it's a little porn." I'm like, "Wait, what the fuck?" And then someone else, I think it was Kelly Maine, was just like, "I'm running porn," or someone said that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's porn. I'm like, "Okay, y'all." No, it's not. <laughs> Maybe the straight up erotica stuff can be more compared to that, but like, no, even your like high heat romance, no, it's not. I don't know. I guess I've watched some feminist, uh, classy porn. Some, some romance novels I've read have been a little porny, but like, I feel like, and there's there's nothing wrong with being a little porny, but like, I think maybe, and I feel like them saying it's porn. What they might mean is that it's it can be pornographic because I think sometimes the detail that we get in some of these high heat scenes mm. make it a little pornographic, which I don't have a problem with that. I'm I'm pro porn, so I'm like I th- again I think this is like one of those issues where I don't have much of a care about what pe- how people describe it, mainly because the people you're gonna that, like it no matter what. Yep, and the people that are gonna say this shit, we're gonna say something about it. They're always going to have yeah. something to say. So for me, it's like, I'm not going to get my panties in a bunch for these people that are like, whatever about it. Because it's kind of like, well, it's not for you, first of all. And sure. then the second thing is like, you already weren't going to like this because it's woman made. So, um, but like, yeah, I, I didn't like, I, I think I also just don't like anytime romance is being discussed that we have to have the porn conversation. I think that's really fucking stupid at this point. But yeah. whatever. Like it's this is not a new thing. No, and I don't this think literally it... a conversation that happens again and again and again and again. Yeah, like, and like I... beating a fucking dead horse. Yeah, and like we all have an opinion on it. Like so, like I think erotica. I think you're right. I think erotica is your most porny thing because that's like what I used to fucking search the internet for when I was in high school. Because uh, I, I mean watch videos, so I had to find fucking erotica, and I, that's the, I think there's like a website called like the Scarlet A or something like that. Scarlet, there was something Scarlet. And it was like it was like queer erotica, and I found it in like high school, and I was like, "This is the shit, love it." I won't. Stephanie. I'll try to find it. What Stephanie? Huh? And you didn't understand your sexuality. Guy, <laughs> you know what? We could do this all day. Uh, we could do this all day. I have so many. I almost there's one day I started that gif uh, thread of like times I should have known. Uh, I could probably go on for a millennia of things I didn't realize. <laughs> because the funny, so the thing is, like, so a friend from school shared the link with me, and she was like openly like questioning, and mm. so I was like, okay, cool. And then I just like, couldn't find anything else that was like just erotica that wasn't like buying a book. Like this was like people posting short stories or whatever, and I wasn't really internet savvy enough to find like, like. I don't know. It took me a long time to find fan fiction is all I'm saying. So I was gonna say I literally just read fan fiction and always went to straight up to the mature section and just yeah, read all that. It took me a really long time to find fan fiction because I didn't have any friends that read it or did it or whatever. So uh but yeah, it it just I I think I think one, I think saying it's porn, they're make they're meaning it in a derogatory way, which then yeah. makes people get defensive about it, which the thing is is these books help a lot of women to like open up sexually and like fulfill a part of their sexuality by reading sure. it. Because a lot of people can't experience the things that are in the books, right? Yeah. And so there's lots of people that read things that they don't even wouldn't even enjoy. Like 
you know, there's people that read anal sex scenes. They don't want to have anal sex, but they still get turned on by the scene. Like that, that's a thing that's real. Um, there's people that read scenes about giving blowjobs and they don't have any interest in that, but they get hot off the scene. Like, so there's like a element of like, it is pornographic, those bits, but then there's this overarching story. So it's honestly how I wish movies were in general. I said that to Jordan one time. I was like, you know, I would love if they made like a Pride and Prejudice that actually had sex in it and like like Bridgerton, but like I want to see even more sex. Like bring it, let's see the sex. And I was like, that's porn. All right, Stephanie, you just want to write porn. And that was that was a moment of like joking that I had this past summer. And I'm like, so I do see where you can say it's porn, but there is like an element of like, but because of the varying like closing doors, the descriptive nature, are you getting that descriptive? Are we like see, smelling, tasting everything? Yeah. It just it just depends. And like I think that um I think we're raised to want to be like, no, it's not porn because we're there's like something shameful about porn. But mm. like I think porn being created by women is dope as fuck. So for me I'm like, yeah, call it porn, whatever. But I also think that they're saying it to belittle the books, and that's not cool because they should not be belittled just because there's pornographic shit in there. Like uh, yes. That's I think sure. that's, that's I think that's where I have like more of like a that's when I get my heckles up is because they're they're hackles 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 hackles, hackles. hackles. yeah yeah tackles uh fun <laughs> words with Stephanie words I've read and never said out loud um, right? literally my life it's my whole life I mean I sound so stupid sometimes but like when I used to write essays teachers would be like did you really write this I'm like yes I'm actually very smart I read a lot of books I don't say a lot of words that I read but like. That's where I get upset. It's like when you're trying to use that word as like a negative thing. Or like, or you're trying to shame women for having sexuality in these books. Because that's why they're calling it porn. They're basically saying it's devoid of value. It's just yes. sex when it's not. So I guess from that standpoint, I will not call it porn because I don't want them to win. I don't want the bastards to win. So. Don't want the bastards to get you down, y'all. No. And like, I understand like why you get really frustrated about it too. Cause I think also I don't engage with a lot of people about romance. I think you engage with a lot more people about romance than I do. So I think that, <laughs> I, I think that your frustration is very warranted because I think you're frontlining this where I'm just like <laughs> floating in the nebulous world of like, well, the like theoretically, if someone said this, like I don't really ever have to have this conversation. No one questions me in my life about anything I do. <laughs> I live a very charmed life. <laughs> well, but it's interesting. Within the documentary, they interview the sisters who own The Ripped Bodice, which is a romance-centric bookstore in California. And for the longest time they were literally the only bookstore that focused on romance novels mm -hmm. and so it was really it was kind of cool hearing them talk about their experiences like if a dude walks in off the street and walks in it's like oh really this is what you do like is this even like viable and they're like do you even understand the amount yeah of money that is in the romance world because they don't no one ever understands it romance novels make the most money in publishing period they keep publishing going homie literally your book it's to survive because romance writers are there to fund it yep but it was interesting uh watching this at the same time where 
these sisters of the Rift Bodice um, have been kind of under scrutiny recently mm-hmm. because they, for the last couple years at least, have been putting out um, what they call the diversity report where they go through and looks like since 2016 they've been doing this um and they call it the state of radical diversity in the romance publishing report uh and they go through and kind of break down the amount of people of color who are being published from different publishers oh but apparently some of what they do is not up to snuff Based on how someone appears in photos and not on actual information. And you can't really do that. Like It's not based on self-identification. No. And there so- are a lot of people that are light-skinned but are not white. Yep. So that's kind of shitty. And there's other things. There's a whole... Um, this year when they released a report there was a rebuttal and i admittedly have not read any of it yet and i need to it's really I, good i it's saved very, it it's very like even-handed for sure yeah and that was the whole thing is like it's it's two women of color who work with stats yeah. and like so they're like i was trying to i was like Who's going to be the one that butchers it? I was going to be I was going to take the bullet for you. I was going to take that bullet for you after my hackles. Statisticians? Jordan would know. He's always like there. I always, here's the thing. When he's in the room, I feel like I never mess up a word because he'll say it right and then I just repeat him and then I continue on. He's not here during the podcast. So I just sound, in my, I, I sound in my own head worse than in the They work world. with stats. They work with and- stats. And so they understand how to read reports and report upon it properly mm-hmm. and how to then look at someone else's report and be like, hey, this is what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. And so they pointed out all the things that they did wrong and the rip bodice didn't really love that. And their like, response was almost like a non-response. They were yeah. just like... I don't know. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a very white girl response. It also just like didn't make, I don't know, it, I had a very much of like an eye roll moment reading it. But again, here we go back to that whole like idea of like why we can't have nice things. Yep. Because even within our own community, we're like fucking each other over. And that's the, that's the shitty thing, right? Like this is literally like this was the first bookstore that focused on romance writers and but I've heard I have never been there. I do not know the women that run it. I'm sure they are lovely humans to interact with. Mm-hmm. But I've heard they're not very great with indie stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. And which really sucks because indie is a huge thing within the romance world. I mean, like, we've we've discussed the journey from vanity publishing to indie publishing. Like, we've discussed that. Uh yeah how things have changed in 20 years. Uh, but like, yeah, it's weird. It's weird when stores don't embrace it. Kristen even says that in the documentary when like she decided, like she joined RWA and she initially queried and uh, at, at first had been declined by people, which everyone is always declined mm-hmm. initially. 
And she discovered the whole indie publishing thing. And so when she told people about it, they were like, oh, so you're just not good enough to be published traditionally. And she's like, I mean, no, that's not really how this works anymore, y'all. Like, yeah, literally anyone could go publish on Amazon. But if you are as successful as someone like her, that's probably not the case. Yeah. I I'm having like I also this is like a thing like indie bookstores and if they embrace indie authors or not it's always like a weird like that's always a tension on on uh Twitter that I see every indie bookstore day yes there's always this tension there's always a tension and it's like ugh because they're almost always representing the most popular romance traditionally published authors and it kind of sucks because you're like your indie bookstores you think would be your best ally yeah but i mean i can understand why it'd be hard for them to even know about the indie authors oh for sure and so that's like, like you need like, to have an actual community like, like uh, an actual relationship with them yeah yeah and that's like also like the problem with like being a ku writer an author that's very popular on amazon i uh, was talking about how she's not concerned about being a usa today or like uh New York Times bestseller. She was always worried about being a top, like a top twenty Amazon KU writer. That makes sense. And so, like to me, it's like, but with that means you can't, you can't be in indie bookstores. Like, there's that unless, unless the indie bookstore goes and finds you and buys your book. Like, it's like way more difficult. It is way more difficult, and that's something that's literally you have to go to a bookstore and be like, "Hey, will you sell my book? Mm -hmm. Let me order these." books for you to sell because like i know both christina and mika they're not ku but like Mm -hmm. they have a bookstore in michigan where their book is sold even though they're indie and amazon oh yeah i'm gonna attempt so hard to get left bank books to have my book in their book like when i start i'm gonna be like here you please god please do this i don't know this documentary just made it like very apparent just like well because a lot lot of work well, like all three of them existed pre it being so saturated. Yes. So it's just Fuck. it was it was just like a very much not a pleasant reminder. <laughs> no, and of, I think I think that'd be the thing if but we it was were a just, reminder. If we were just readers and not also trying to be like this is what we want to do, I think it'd be a more enjoyable documentary. But for yeah. us it was more like panic inducing. Panic inducing. I literally was texting you like, oh, they're talking about how saturated the whole thing is. You're like, yeah. Liz, we knew this. I'm like, I know, but they're talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm just glad we didn't watch it at the same time because that would have been a spiral. We would have spiraled. It was we, good that it would have been bad. It, it was good bad. that one of us watched it and then the other one watched it because I we can't those kinds of things we can't watch together. No. We can't we can't be trusted with our feelings. No. Would just be crying to be like, this is never going to happen. I hate it and I will never do it again with my two finished first drafts. But yeah. <sighs> anyway, like I said, this this was a bummer. <laughs> talking about it. it was, but like, it's very I'm realistic. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I watched it. But it was No, a and that's the bummer. thing. It's like, it's fucking well done. Yeah. It's really, really well done. And I feel like it's really realistic and it's yeah. not putting like... We There's don't no... have fucking rose-colored glasses at this industry. No, I mean, I will say I was saving this last nice thing for the end. 
uh, I really enjoyed when they showed all the writers at, I think, an RWA function, just like palling around and like talking about. Oh my God. What, yeah, whatever conference they were at, and all the, like, it was just all these romance lovers, like, all these huge fucking fans of so like a few, it was like a few writers and then like their assistants were like all sitting together just talking about romance in a oh, hotel that, room oh yeah that was really fun too was that before her party was that before that, her that was prepping for Kristen's party yeah so they're all just like sitting around talking and hanging out about other times they'd been together and i was just like that's lovely that's, that's what lovely. i want so i think yeah i'm probably gonna try to become friends with people now fine i'll try to find people that will keep me that will take me as their friend you always have me i know and that's why i think it's hard for me to even try to make other friends because i'm like i already have liz that's enough (laughs) i said i said it so nasty but it's like actually a nice thing i'm actually being nice (laughs) no i think it's really cute yeah yeah (laughs) i talked to liz all day like legit (laughs) Was in my message all day long, so I'm like, like I don't, do I it need was more weird. Time? I feel like in the last week or so, it's been like, oh, it's we been did like it. two days, yeah, and I don't like it. No, yeah, the last two days have been so crazy, and I get to the end of the day, I'm like, I didn't talk. I think I messaged Liz on like Sunday or something. I didn't talk to you today. That's stupid. <laughs> or something. yeah, you were like, you were like, I've had some booze and I haven't talked <laughs> to you, and now I'm very sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's like so. If this isn't if this isn't a great commercial of becoming my friend, I don't know what is. You could get drunk in Facebook messages about me missing you. I uh, mean, I think it's just when it comes down to it, you and I are both just like seriously the ultimate hype girls. We really are. We're very good at this hype thing. Um, <laughs> we are. I don't know. I it's it, and I think that's the kind of person that I I like to be and I like to be surrounded by. So. And I think we're a rare breed because um, it's like an authentic hyping versus like yes, a, it's not false because I'll tell you if I don't like something. But when I like something, it's like the thing is, though, I can always find something I like. I think that's the trick of being the ultimate hype girl. Mm. There's always something good to to work off of. You know, my friends are dope. I wouldn't be friends with you. Exactly. Period. Like, I have a lot of shit to do in my life and a lot of friends in my life, and I don't have time for people I don't actually care about. And I think this documentary actually really showed that aspect of indie authoring, uh, how you have to pick the right people to be around you. Yeah, you do. I think, I think that's that, very important, I feel like, in, in, in the indie world. Like, I feel like we've talked about this a whole bunch recently. It's like, you're almost like your little writer's clique of, like, y'all support each other. But you have to do it in a very authentic way. Like, I feel like it's very, you can easily tell when it's like, oh, well, I told this author I'm going to hype them up so they'll hype me up. And we're like, oh, blah, 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 did this. I'm like, okay, it sounds like you didn't actually read the book and you're just, like, repeating what the, the book blurb is about. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is 100% it. That's actually going to be our topic next time is like social media and uh, co- the communities and stuff like that. So that's, look at actually, that. Re- yeah, that's, look at us. Oh, oh, look at us. Oh, hey, you listener. Did we just do that? Did we just do that? <laughs> nice. I'm posing. Y'all can't see it, but I'm like posing she on is. my, my body she pillow. Is. It's Look so I'm, cute. I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm posted up in my bed. Well, should we wrap it up? Uh, yeah. What type of um 
What type of pickup line? Can't even think of like something to be on theme. <laughs> right. Like normally I try to do something that is theme, but you know what? I'm just gonna Random it. Random it. Forty-three Marvel pickup lines sure to impress any MCU fan. Okay. Cute. Pick a number between one and fifteen. Nine. Hey Spidey, keep it up. You're gonna make me web. Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. Well, and on that note, let's web on out of here. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. I'm, I'm uncomfortable because Spider-Man in the MCU currently is a high schooler. <laughs> I know the actor is not. I know Tomlin is not, but he plays a high schooler. Sure, yeah. That's rough. All right. Well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, we'll be back soon. Oh, oh. We are officially moving our uh, day to Thursday instead of Wednesdays, just because um, it turns out Tuesday is the best day for us to record, and that's an impossible turnaround for me to edit. Mm -hmm. So Thursday is our new release day, and yeah, check us out on all of our social medias, and hang out with us, and Mm -hmm. cool, cool, cool. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you, so contact us at lnlsmutcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at lnlsmutcast. Find episodes of this and other great shows at calamitycast.com or wherever you find your podcasts. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Dick of the Week. This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs>